This is a trigger warning from the legal department. Just reminding you that this shit is pretty heavy. And that's okay. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to hydrate. Wash your fucking hands. Hello, humans. Welcome back to the Revenue Real Hotline. Oh my gosh. Who is excited for a conversation with Charles Mulbauer? I know I am. This is the first time that we've ever had a conversation. And you guys know how I feel about um, the intention around guest selection or conversation selection. So this is a rare thing. But sometimes in LinkedIn land, when you see a human who is posting about the AE life from a skilled development perspective. And then you compare those posts against all the white noise and all those proclaiming to know what the fuck is up when it comes to enterprise selling in particular. Yeah, the aforementioned human just stands out in a massive way. And so I could not be more excited with this conversation. I could not be more delighted to bring such enjoyable, hysterical, razor sharp banter to the table. So Charles is a leader over at CB Insights and he um, works in the empowerment of the field space. And so we really had a chance to you know, connect on multiple fronts, including our mutual love and appreciation for information sales um, versus SaaS sales in particular. So we talked a little bit about the differences We talk about AE empowerment. We talk about the importance of market acumen um, and some of the some of the skill gaps that we see out there. Um, We talk about uh, the importance of stories and we talk about a a bunch of cool shit and it's a lot of fun. And with that, I'm going to stop talking about the episode. Real quick housekeeping for anyone that has any thoughts, questions, comments, or just general, even if you want to shit talk, man, hit us up on the hotline at 646-470-0248. It's just a voicemail. There's an excellent chance uh, that you will will pull some of these recordings onto the show. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. If you see any value and things that we're, we're talking about, do tell a friend. You know, same old shit, like follow, review, all greatly, greatly appreciated. And with that, I'm your host, Amy Rehubchek. This is the Revenue Rail Hotline, and enjoy. Welcome to the Revenue Rail Hotline, my new friend. First time talking ever. That's right. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I mean, I can't wait to get into it, but before... So listeners, this is Charles Mulbauer. Is that Mulbauer, yeah. Yeah, most people don't get it right the first time. That's yeah. great. H- have you seen my last name? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> not not only am I used to like, you know, being cool with like it it being butchered, something I made my peace with in second grade. Okay, so have you listened to any of these episodes, sir? Do you know what you've gotten yourself involved in? I do not know what I've gotten myself into, and shame on me. Not because I'm scared, but because, you know, I'd like to listen to some of these episodes. Well, you'll have you'll have time, actually. But no, no shame here. This is uh, there are the only rule is that there are no rules. 
Okay. This is a judgment-free zone. This is a mistake-friendly zone. This is a tangent-friendly zone. And, you know, we just, we get real around here. And so uh, let's assume that I do a little bit of a, an intro of you ahead of time. So everyone like kind of coming into the conversation is, is with us so far. And the target audience is the experienced tech seller, right? And I would include information services. So I finished carrying a bag. I was at Thomson Reuters, so I can't wait to go into like selling. Oh, wow. Um, so that we have that in common friend, but anyway, so it's, but experienced tech or info server or information services provider, I guess. Um, the theme of the show is conversations about uncomfortable conversations and sales of which I'm sure we have lots to discuss. And this of course includes, you know, buyers, um, prospects, clients, peers, bosses, hiring manager, you know, like just across the board. And yeah, I normally, what I do is I'll make a list of things that we could possibly talk about, um, based on my history with someone and, or what I found when I was like researching them. But I, I gotta say like, <sighs> Everything that I found that you did, like we, I agreed with, including, so all the work on discovery, right? You've been writing and speaking a lot about that. And I can't wait to go into that. Um, I, one of my favorite tech crunch articles, which I have pulled up just so you know, it's, it has something to do with the line of like, is the, uh, the venture data space uh, gaslighting all of us? And so I'm sure, you know, you, you would have an interesting take on that. So I'm, I'm curious about the current state of, of VC and VC data, particularly as it relates to deal flow um, and gender and race and lack of change or progress of any kind. Um, then there's also, you know, law firms forgetting to file forms, right? So keeping rounds under wraps. Um, and so just from the data perspective, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about the nature of your of your work. Um, and so that's on the list, right? Working and training AEs uh, and educating AEs around, I think, one of the most misunderstood uh, aspects of the job, right? And so I'm, I'm with you hard and like every, everything that you shared, everything that I read on Discovery, just like sign me up. Um, I, I think providing one another with a baseline kind of of who we are and where we came from just to, you know, it would be also an interesting place to start. And then, yeah. So normally I have the other person choose, but Charles, we're going to try something different here. Given what you know, that I just jumped on you. What, like, what are the top two or three things that popped up in your head of, of things that we could possibly talk about or start with? And then we can we'll vote on which where we want to go with it. Sure. Uh, clearly, I talk about discovery all the time. Mm -hmm. So we could talk about that. You mentioned uh, something CB Insights related. So we can talk about that. Which one, the um, job or the data or selling uh, information? Um, the, all, all the above. I'm, okay. up for, I'm up for anything, okay. quite frankly. I, I think that... You mentioned earlier, um, you know, having conversations about uh, uncomfortable conversations. I'd add that when one feels very comfortable in their role 
as an account executive, there aren't really any uncomfortable conversations. Why? Because both you and the prospect know explicitly that it's okay if we don't end up working together. So we can't really have an uncomfortable conversation because if you don't want to work with us, that's okay. It's not the first time. And I might ask you, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, what, you know, I might ask you a number of very direct questions, which you don't have to answer. You have the right to answer my questions. You don't have to answer my questions. That's okay. All I can do as an account executive, the only things that are in my control is what I ask, how I ask it, what I say, what I choose to say, what I choose not to say. I can't control, I can't make somebody buy something. Um, but I so would- You can't make somebody do shit. <laughs> can't say, make, you can't make somebody do anything, but I would, I would argue, not argue, I'm not saying anything here, Amy, that you don't that you don't know. I would say that the probability of somebody moving toward the direction that you would ideally like to move, that you would ideally like them to move toward, is to, you know, push them away a little bit, um, so that they spring back toward you. I guess you can call it reverse psychology. It's not. It's not. You know. It's not even really manipulation. It's just being honest. And the uh, the on the honesty is, if you don't want to work with us, it's okay. And most AEs, um, you know, I haven't taken a survey on this, but it takes time to get to that place and to have that level of confidence. Um, and prospects are not used to an account executive telling them or pushing them away a little bit. I think prospects are used to account executives, you know, wanting, wanting them and they're used to that. What can I do for you? What can I get you? You know, what questions, what can, what, what can I, what can I give you to make you happy? But prospects are used to that. They actually expect that from an account executive. They don't expect an account executive to say things like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Or probably not a good time for us to continue talking. They don't expect those things. And from an account executive's perspective, that's a very hard thing to do, which I understand. But the more um, confident one gets in the role, the more easy, the easier it is for them to do that type of stuff. And then you see prospects saying, wow, this is, this is different. I actually trust this person because they're telling me it's probably not a good time and I'll probably want to talk to them again. So I know I said a lot. No, Just you no. didn't. And well, yeah, I, I got on a roll there. <laughs> I got on a roll. <laughs> I already said this is a tangent friendly zone. So, you know, you... <laughs> yeah, you got me on a roll. I got it's on a roll. It's so there. funny. Okay. Okay. Wow. There are so many things that you said there. So, that was the second time you used the word trust in like my little 20 minutes with you when you were breaking down your context, insight, humbling disclaimer, and open ended. A humbling statement and open-ended disclaimer. It was started like, here's how you cultivate trust in a conversation. And I'm chuckling to myself as someone that, uh, you know, created a podcast about conversations and, and, you know, to be able to one, go through a deep ass, like a practice exercise for myself, but also 
to teach and to demonstrate those those exact same things from different different ways and different angles. Um, but more interestingly, uh, not more interestingly, more to I guess the point of where I'm going is that I couldn't, Charles, I couldn't remember where, why how you and I came to be on this show. And I know it was quick, but I, I was trying to remember the exact post and I just, I didn't feel like scrolling through all your LinkedIn activity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I- I don't I, blame I just, you. I draw a hard line there. Like, and so I don't I blame was, you. <laughs> I was trying to like rack my brain and I couldn't remember it. But as you were speaking, that was exactly what it was. It was the being able to, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you did a post about, the email, right. To set up the call. Uh, and it was the line around, um, it's okay if we don't do business together. And I was laughing. Cause I, I added, is this the same post? Am I thinking of something completely different? Did you do a post like this recently? Uh, I, I, I may have, <laughs> I have a terrible <laughs> short-term remember, memory. You don't remember it either. I, I yeah. think it was Charles. I could be wrong, right? Let's say there's a 10%. I did, I did, I did a post a while ago. Uh, and I got this specific language from a book called question-based selling, which happens to be, I talk about that book a lot, um, happens to be my number one favorite sales book. Um, the language, that's where I got humbling disclaimer from. I didn't create that. Um, one of the things he talks about, his name's Thomas Fries, And one of the things I posted about, in addition to where I got it from, is I have this email where you know you know it was like a, a part of a late stage deal and sometimes you don't hear back necessarily from the prospect with if, if an agreement is uh, is out there that never happened to me <laughs> so the line from his book that you can weave into your that i wove into my emails that i teach my reps to weave into their emails that account executives on linkedin who i never met before have told me dude like, like I just term. got this yeah, deal. No. You don't even know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was you know uh, the line is you know I'd rather be more accurate than optimistic. Um, that's like a mind a mindset, and it's a line that I use on my calls or my emails. I'd rather be more just asking because I'd rather be more ac accurate than optimistic. And in the email was about hey we're having a meeting next week with our you know VP of sales or finance team. They're expecting the agreement to come in by Friday, or they expected the agreement to come in by Monday, which had already passed. Um, you know, I'd just rather be more accurate than optimistic. What What do you recommend I tell them in terms of what to expect? So it's taking all the onus off of me completely, and placing the onus on the prospect. So yeah, that may not have been the post yeah, that you were talking okay, about. That was excellent. But it's all it it all goes around like, hey, it's all connected. It's okay, you know. Uh, we we learned in in Sandler training. You know, they have some great one-liners. Uh, one of the one-liners that they have is, you know, the, the biggest reason a prospect goes to you is because they're afraid to tell you no. So, so funny. So yeah. Funny. So we. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. It's so. There's a couple of things that wasn't the post. It was about. Um, like how to phrase asking for the meeting the first time, and it was like, listen, if it's not a fit, right, then. You know, we can I, like my I think I added some color commentary, remembering how how I use that exact line as well. Like, you know, we'll, we'll right. have a conversation and if it works great, you know, we'll talk about what that looks like or and if it doesn't, you know, worst case scenario, we part as friends and who doesn't like making new friends or something to that effect. <laughs> and it was 
I, yeah, you're nodding. Yeah. So I think, I think this was the post, but I guess listeners, what I'm trying to say, this man, I've every single thing that I've seen that, that he has produced has been flawless and given all the misinformation and noise out there. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell who knows what the fuck they're talking about. You're allowed to curse on the show, by the way, who knows what they're talking about and who does not. Um, this is a gentleman that clearly knows what he is speaking about. And so like, let's, yeah, we'll just leave that right there. Okay. Maybe flawless. Come on. Nothing's flawless, but well, that's I, I, true. I'm not, I'm not going to deny. I, I will accept that compliment and thank you for it. There you go. Well, uh, but I do appreciate it. The bar's so low, Charles on LinkedIn. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's very funny. I've learned, I've learned, Amy, and it's it's hard for uh, people to do this, but I've learned, you know, if someone gives you a compliment, you got to accept it. Say thank you. Yeah. And that's it. And I, I didn't even do that 100% just now. Uh, it's so, true. And you but know what? Th- but, thank, but thank you. You're welcome. And it's my honor. It's my pleasure to to give it. And if you knew me a little bit better, you would know that there, there are no such thing as fluff compliments from Amy Rahubchek. That's for darn sure. So I believe that. <laughs> Now I want to know. Well, I wonder why. (laughs) Um, No, it's funny, though. And you know what else you're supposed to do from an etiquette book is to not match compliment for compliment, which is frankly what I'm working on because it it cheapens or lessens the compliment that you're given. Oh, like, oh, you know what, Charles, what a T-shirt. Like, I, you know, I love blue T-shirts. I love your blue T-shirt. And then to receive back, well, Amy, your white T-shirt is equally as (laughs) starchy. You're right, Amy. <laughs> you know, so it's it's You're also right. that it's resisting the urge to uh, match that compliment with like because again, you want to in the same way that we 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 get something out of giving. Um, you don't want to take away that opportunity to receive, uh, you know, the the on the giver side of of said compliment yeah. as well. Kind of like you have to look. You have to like. You have to let people give a hundred percent. Just let them give it. And take it and that's it and move away and move on. It's hard. It's hard to do hundred percent. It is hard to do. It's even harder, even when you're struggling in your brain, like, do I um, deserve this compliment or if you're having a bad day, but that's a different, com- we'll leave the mental health conversation for a different day. <laughs> um, no, you know what? It's funny though, because you said something about confidence and that was right where, so the, the episode that just published yesterday or on Tuesday was with Mark Cosglo from Oh wow. Outreach. Oh, wow. I got to listen to that. This um, post rock. <laughs> See, they do rock. That's why he was on the show. You got it. It it's is rock. fucking excellent. I mean, just, I, yeah, you, okay. Anyway, so Mark, I'm going to check it out. Mark said that his, he thinks that the thing, the greatest gift that a sales leader can give to their people is confidence. And so we kind of had a little bit of debate on is it confidence or psychological safety, right? Which is where you can, you have enough space and freedom to actually achieve confidence without, you know, the hypervigilance or fear of losing, you know, all that shit. Um, but anyway, okay. So I have a hypothesis I want to run by you, sir. And I haven't met someone yet that is able to banter around this one. So we're going to leave all the discovery stuff on the side, right? Because, cool. you know, you it's, it's way too comfortable for you. And yeah, like, I was going to say, you're about to get me out of my comfort zone right now. <laughs> I, feel, did, I feel it. How did you know? It's a feeling even better. <laughs> even better. Okay. So I think that I, I use the line that selling information changes you as a person, especially when you get people to pay lots of money for it. So I was Thomson Reuters court data. Our, our data, right, on the laws of this country were better are better than the government's. 
and we were building predictive. And now mind you, I was pulling in from deal flow, like, right. So I was all over TR's financial data as well and how it was used and, and how I can marry that, especially in capital markets. Right. Cause I was, I started in New York city and then covered the Northeast territory. And so that said, I think that there, because you can't see the software, you, there is not like a necessarily, I mean, sometimes you get alert centers, sometimes you, but with information, it's a little bit less tangible, even you following what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that there is something to be said about the way that we empower sellers in the information services space. That is a level above what the average human gets in a tech space, which is, by the way, in a big fucking hurry to get through discovery, to get through the deal, to rush the prospect or buyers, right? right. So forget what they, also, they... They also want to rush you. Oh, the prospect or buyers? The prospect wants to rush the seller too. Yeah, because you're acting like a douchebag that doesn't give a shit about them and you want to put, you want to ban them and, it, you know, extract them. You have these questions. You want them to, you want to box them into a corner. Would you want to be on a conversation with a person like that either? No. I would not. Mm. <laughs> okay. I've never had any prospects want to rush me. Have you experienced that? I mean, I've had prospects who, when they Once first- you figured it out. Well, no, once you've had a good conversation, no, but I've had prospects in the first call where like, we just want to see a demo, right? right. Everybody gets that. You can argue that's something that's a different, that's a different right. type of conversation. Right. But to your point though, after they experience the difference, also known as differentiation, which is also not difficult to, to prove right there with all the white noise on LinkedIn. Um, it's, it's amazing how quickly that prospect isn't in as much of a rush anymore. Right. So I think the limiting beliefs go or have to do with the profession. Right. And we've earned our reputation in many ways. But anyway, so that said, what do you think about my hypothesis? Do you think that because information is is even more intangible than SAS? Yeah. Um, it requires a and I say the same with by the way, with category defining products and discovery. Yeah. Right. We it's just you know how to. I, I tend to see the skills more elevated in information services and in like true category defining. But like, what, what about you? What do you think? Have you noticed any themes or trends on that front? So you're just make sure I understand your how your hypothesis on information systems is that they need a, a need they need what information services people that sell information. Sorry, yeah. Like your AEs at, at C. We sell uh, information, CB, yeah. At CB Insights, um, are are more skilled with discovery. And interesting. Yeah. Um, so I would, well, you might call me biased, but I would agree that that's the case. Um, the reason why is because when one sells information, they have to, I, I actually would argue it's, it's a, it's a more fun way to sell actually. You wouldn't have to argue very long or hard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because it allows for a tremendous amount of creativity. So, which Can you I expand about, yeah, we're going to, this is what we're going to go into. Can you expand on that, please, sir? Yeah. When you sell information, you could, there's so much, I mean, we sell, we sell an endless amount of, of insight on where certain emerging technology sectors are headed. Right. And that is an endless amount 
of insight, especially because, and this has nothing to do with CB insights necessarily, you know, the, the, the more the years roll by, the more hyper segmentation or hyper fragmentation there is in what we define as disruption. So once one company disrupts, begins to disrupt an industry, you now have an, you know, in the next three months, another company disrupting that one. And it's pretty almost infinite. And so when you have, when you sell this type of information, you can get a, to very deep conversations with prospects around their opinion on the market, how it's developed, where they see it going, what they're concerned about, what they maybe have missed out on in the past. It turns into a lot of creativity. Yeah. And you can also create, as an AE, you have the ability to create the lens at which they're seeing CB insights. And so that type of creativity, because we have the ability to do that, makes the job more fun. And I would also say that if one account executive is in a role where they're not selling information, but they are selling uh, you know, some sort of tool to whatever, do something better or faster, whatever that may be. Wait, that, that tool also creates information? Is please is that where you're going with this, Charles? Well, oh, no, what I was going to say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We might be saying the same thing differently. Okay. They have to find a way to be creative in that role and to sell on the intangibles. So, oh, man. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. for example, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. No. So, we, yeah, this is excellent. Um, I, I'm just going to say one more thing. Sure. If I were to summarize that, it's a great skill for an AE as much as they're trained to know a product and how to maneuver through a product and to be not necessarily a product expert, but to know the product well enough to discuss, it's way more important for the AE to understand how to talk around the product. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. When I was in my last company, I was brought in for two reasons. So I switched to sales enablement. I carried a bag for a decade. My last year at Thompson Reuters, I hit my annual quota in February. I won a Spacha award for the company um, wow. on exquisite champion building during discovery. I, cool. yeah, anyway, switched to sales enablement about, I don't know, seven years back, build out two departments now. I started in the crib. This is why I look so very young. And my birthday was yesterday. So, you know, it's just. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Not that I was <laughs> fishing for that one, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, Happy birthday. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. No, it was beautiful. We did, um, went down to, to AC, got to experience some, the beer garden it was my first beer garden of the season. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the other glow that you're, uh, it's, I'm that's not sure awesome. if it's hangover. It's not hangover, but it's an afterglow. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, yeah, there's nothing to like, you know, drinking in the middle of the week and calling it a day. Okay. So, but you. in a healthy, healthy, Good everything in moderation. All right. So, oh, wow. The, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was brought in to my last company for two reasons. One, to help transition the team to enterprise selling, right? So I, I specialize in category defining enterprise sales, which is why our target audience is the experienced tech seller, right? Look at all the content out there for how to fucking prospect, right? 
enough is enough. Anyway, that said, um, I also was, was responsible for their, for their product launch. It was the first product launch in like four years. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I saw with the team, they had a very, um, tunnel vision view of the product. And so part of the, the product launch, I created this whole experience where they had to put themselves in the shoes of the prospect. Um, it was like a market research exercise, but like it, pretending like that here's the, the total exercise. And this is the little sliver that, that, you know, our platform is able to help with, but they still have to do this other part and then present either their findings from the research back to their boss or to a team of people. And so the, you know, obviously part of the assignment was for the reps to, you know, do the full scope of the presentation to demonstrate exactly just that. And so I'm with you there. That's smart. You're, you're speaking to my, to my heart, my love language. Um, but anyway, so back to the information. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons why the differences are there, including it's easier and more, it's, you're, it's more acceptable to be creative and have fun when you're selling information, right? That is almost what you're, you're trained and empowered to do, which I think is a big flipping question mark in, in the tech space. Um, I don't necessarily have a question mark there, but I'll leave it open-ended for you of how skeptical you, you are with me on that one. But, uh, that said, I, the other problem I think that I see is that we don't do a good enough job empowering the field with an understanding of the markets. You mean from uh, an un, from which from what perspective? If I'm an AE and I'm yeah. selling a tech of whatever kind, we yeah. spend think of onboarding. We spend all of our time talking about the the product, yeah, and the founding story. We don't teach reps about the market or the industry with which they're serving in. We don't. What? Keep going. Keep going. We don't teach them about the historic nature of the business problems or the disruptions that have occurred over the past 10 years to even banter around them or how we got to this current state or here's where it's going in the next five years. We don't invest in any type of info like CB insights, like, but we'll get Zoom info to make sure that we've got our, you know, our phone numbers correct or you know what I'm saying? And so it's very hard to have a conversation like that as a rep. A hundred percent. I think it, you know, it's the responsibility on every account executive. You know, it, it, it's obvious that one should want to sell something in an industry that they would want to learn about on their own anyway. So this way, if they are selling, you know, CB insights, it would be a good idea to sell to want to sell or want to work for CB Insights if you have a very strong in interest in the type of research that we do. This way, when you start in a role like this, you're engulfed in the research that we are creating. You're reading it. You are listening to certain podcasts that some of our prospects may be on about disruption and innovation. And you're taking responsibility on your own to be up you know, be up to date in what's happening in the in, sector in, in your industry. in your market in your industry and also this also should be of no surprise to you the pros when we, when we have come when one has conversations with prospects the prospects assuming the conversation is moving along nicely share a lot of insight with you on the phone 
about what they're seeing in their industry or in the industry or in other industries. And that's free information that an account executive is getting that they can take with them on the next call and say, oh, by the way, it's funny, we're talking about this topic because I just spoke with another innovation team the other day who told me that A, B, and C. I was curious to what extent you know you can relate to that. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when you're every prospect's giving you insight that you can take with on the next call until you're really getting to a point where you're pretty much a acting subject as if expert. you're yeah, you're a peer in the industry and you're a subject matter expert. Yeah. Having conversations um, with you. Yeah. That was a playbook item number one, context. I have these conver- I have two of these conversations a week with or a day, was it, sir? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Right. So I'm I'm guys, listeners, I'm I'm pulling from the episode that Charles did with with uh, Katie. Kevin Dorsey, which was excellent. And so they break down the playbook of how to create and establish trust um, during discovery calls. So we're not going to talk about the here, but I, I will link to that in the show notes. That one is a must listen. Um, okay. So I think, so I agree with what you said, but I think that I didn't communicate well enough that that I, w- I almost missed the mark a little bit and that was on me. And that is that I'm specifically, why don't we teach reps about the industry or the market with which they're selling into in the tech space. And now mind you, most of the tech founders that I've ever engaged with, and I've engaged with lots of them, um, believe that they are doing and creating something disruptive. So if I follow that logic through to the next step, their reps that are out in the market representing this disruptive piece of technology would also be inclined or it would behoove them as the leadership team to empower the the field with some of the basics on the industry. You're hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. And why don't we do it? So I like, this is such a massive gap. Sorry if I misunderstood exactly what you were saying, but you are a hundred percent right. Um, I think, and this is what we do here at CP Insights. Uh, I think one of the first things uh, a new salesperson should have when they come on board to any tech company is, Forget about the product that we sell. Let's just like forget about our process. No one cares. I promise you, you'll learn that. You're going to be here for a while. We hope you can learn that for a long time. Let's talk about our prospects. What do they do all day? How do they do it? What is literally their day like? What are what are they looking to accomplish? Pretty much on a annual basis or what have you. What do they look, what do they care about? What problems do they have with regard to, in our case, right, tracking startups? What problems do they have? Why is it a problem? Why can't they get this figured out on their own without us? And only after all of that is covered, then we'll talk about us. You know, so I'm like, I, so I, I totally agree with you, by I, the way, I still it's a chuckle. big deal. It's a massive one, but I'll even take it a step further. So like we, I still chuckle by the way, when I see any kind of like headline, that's like, oh, you know, we're going to be customer centric. Like that was ever a space that we were, should have, that we, we are so far away from that, that, that it even needs to be said is like a little bit sad and like, but also at the same time, it just makes everybody that much fucking easier to beat because if you don't have a fingers on the pulse of your client 
clients and their business problems, then like, okay, yeah, just keep, keep going down that road, friends. Um, anybody that wants to not go down that road, which doesn't end well, come hang out and listen to what Charles is saying. Okay, but there is also a big difference between the customers in the industry. And like I, so I happen to, I, I see and think in like graphs, right? And so, or trend lines is a perfect example. And so when I think about the idea of well, customer persona and how I am going to do research prior to meeting with them, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say I've got a meeting booked. I, I look at how long they've been operating in a particular job. Right. And then I can marry that with what I know about the path of the industry. And to your original point, the innovations that have come out of that mm. space. Right. Um, because then it gives me more context into what, what kind of learning curves they've gone through or how much they've seen. And so I think that the customer and the business problem and the company, right, those are, those are important things. But it's the industry too. That marrying is, it with the marrying it with the right with the and industry. I just we uh, Charles, I don't see this anywhere. Nobody talks about the industry. Nobody talks about like when I talk about how one of my favorite tactics for prospecting, um, and I believe that everyone should find three right. And there's countless beautiful, beautiful ways to do so. I tell yeah. the story a lot about using a public records request to to grab a list of companies that got hit with time and labor violations the year prior. I've been known to set court alerts, cool. court alerts for decisions made for big, um, like multi-million dollar fines, right? That gets everybody talking. I, there are lots of ways to prospect. Anyway, I was also taught as an AE that my job was not to convince people of their business problem. My job was to be, I don't want to say omnipresent, but like be out there enough in these industry circles. Mm -hmm. So then when a buyer or when a buying team is ready to address the business problem that, and they knew that this day would come, I'm front of mind or Charles is front of mind. And so becoming a subject matter expert on the industry and hitting the speaking circuit and, you know, which is of course like nerve wracking, by the way, podcasting, I think was way fucking harder to listen to yourself and go back. Like, holy shit. It's been a long time, Charles, since I've taken on a learning curve as steep and as unforgiving as this shit. But anyway, like we don't, there's not a, and I, I'll talk to like some sales bosses, right? And I distinguish between sales boss and sales leader, but they push back on that because it's like, oh, it's gonna, it's not scalable. How can you? But the reality is if we're not teaching the fucking team about the industry or the changes in the industry or how to use competitive intelligence or industry insights, you know, enough to tell, set some Google alerts. I used to have all my, my Chrome bookmarks were, were organized by business problem. And I would have all the Google alerts set, and I would pour through content and then use that content to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's kind of like, there's another layer. You feel that that most of the time is missing. It's kind of like the company has, okay, these are, these are our prospects. These are the problems that they have. This is the uh, product that we have that solves it go sell it. Meanwhile, there's another layer that's like, hey, this is what the industry, this is what's going it's the on. The biggest umbrella over the top of right. everything. Uh, yeah, you're you're 100% right. I, I would argue also, use that word argue a lot of this reason. I just realized. I would also argue that that part is the most interesting part of the job. And back to your <laughs> original point, which is more fun. Oh, way more fun. 
way more fun because you could talk about, yeah, you could, you can have a real peer-to-peer conversation with a prospect just about the industry that has nothing to do with the their product. Features. It has nothing to do with, yeah, it's just like, hey, you're in, you track, you're in this industry, we're in this industry, let's just talk about the industry. That's hey, did you see that court case the other day where yeah, Google like just got nailed? 100% right. You're a hundred percent right. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it also takes it just from from the AE's perspective, it takes a big weight, lifts a you know, takes the weight off their shoulders to feel like they have to do something or like they have an agenda. You know, just takes the a big onus off of them. A lot. Of, one of the things that I I uh, train on here is to for an AE to do their best to place all the onus on the prospect, you know, as a new, in the sales process in general. So as a new, for a new account executive, they feel like well, I have to pitch this, or put next steps on the calendar, right? A lot of the onus is on them to do things. But part of what you're saying also, learning about the industry, talking about the industry with your prospect, takes the onus off of you to feel like, you have to get to feel like you're coming across like you have an agenda. I'm not sure if what I just said was it makes was, perfect ma- sense. Makes a lot, yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I, tr- I try to get the the onus off of the AE as much as as much as possible. Yeah. So uh, I I agree with you. Actually, mm-hmm. in my last one of my last roles, um, <laughs> I worked at a company called Sentio, which is trying to pretty much disrupt Bloomberg. At the end of the day. And it wasn't on Bloomberg, Bloomberg, like the terminals, the terminals. Oh, okay. It's the yeah. they see. Uh, okay. I still yeah. laughed that there are still fucking terminals. <laughs> right. Although Bloomberg law, they were the ones that found the, the hole in the courts, but, um, like oh, the court right. data. Um, so that was where, I mean, that was my home turf too. Like, so, okay. But I'm sorry, please continue. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I miss information <laughs> services sometimes. Yes. Continue, it wasn't, it wasn't till, and I learned this afterward months because I, I came from a, a company called axial and we pretty much sold um <laughs> although we had a product we talked around the product the entire time we, we we took the product uh when i worked at axial and we we made it pretty much insignificant which was pretty this is how i learned how to sell which is hard to do and you and made it I went, insignificant because you t- learned how to talk about what can yeah, you elaborate the industry, on that for our yeah, listeners? Yeah, yeah, we made it in we sorry, we uh in a nutshell when I worked at a company called Axial, uh they have a platform to uh allow investors to find either companies they wouldn't would not have found on their own or to meet intermediaries like MA advisors and investment banks who bring companies to market that they would not have found on their own also. So that conversation almost has nothing to do with the product. The conversation was okay, all the folks that bring companies to market that are either looking for capital or looking to be sold, they're here. And they're doing this here. Have you heard of this guy? Nope. Have you heard of this intermediary? Never heard of him. Have you ever seen this company before? They brought it to market last week. No, I never saw it. Is that a company you would have liked to, to have spoken with at least? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I would yeah. have liked to have spoken with them. Great. Great. Well, that's what we do. They don't care how it works. They don't I, care it, what's under the damn hood. Yes. Yeah. They never asked, how does, how do you do this? They never asked that. They're just like, oh, wow. We don't 
have that. Yeah, it's all here. So what what questions do you have for Where us? Would you like to <clears throat> would you like to uh, sign the the hard paper like the paper or should I just email it to you or straight to the legal department? <laughs> yeah, so we, we talk around the product. Then I went to a company called Sentio, mm -hmm. who which was very their product's actually very complicated and it's very product heavy. So I actually had a very hard time going from talking around the product to a place where it's like all about the product. Mm -hmm. I had a very hard time reconciling that mm -hmm. until it was only maybe six months, maybe nine months into my role that I finally have a conversation with someone at the company who used to be a research analyst. Mm -hmm. And I said, I understand like, okay, we can, we can allow, you know, hedge funds to find information faster. And I said to him, but so what? Like they're finding this information anyway. Why, why would they care if they can find it faster? What's the big deal? And then he <laughs> said, oh, attorneys by the hour. Well, <laughs> and then he said, no, actually, they could really easily miss something in a 10K that could totally affect, make a, a you know, affect their investment decision. So I said, you're telling me that despite how well a hedge fund is doing, they can admit to the fact that they would miss a key insight or a data point in a 10K despite all the tools that they have? Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, you're telling me that's common? He's like, yeah. And I'm, it, I, up until someone taught me that, I didn't recognize the power of what we offer. So then I started talking about around the product. It's completely around the product. And I would ask a question, you know, I say what we do. And then I'd say, listen, I don't know if this is true for you, but has it ever, you guys do really well, right? You're a great, you're a great hedge fund. You guys have been doing very well over the past 10 years. Has it ever happened where you realized only afterwards that something was missed in a document or something like that? Mm. And they're like, they're like, absolutely. And I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the product. I'm like, I didn't know that. And I'm like, can you tell me what happened? Mm -hmm. What happened? Mm -hmm. And they told me a story of a company that they totally missed out on investing in or invested too late or whatever because of something that happened to them. And I didn't know that that was a real problem until nine months into my job. They didn't teach me that. They didn't teach me that in the they industry. Were so, they got their needs. They were so deep into the product. Correct. They didn't teach me that in the industry that's actually like a thing. A massive I didn't know that. thing. Yeah. And thing. then it was only then that I actually have start having real awesome conversations with people. And then I just touched on it a little bit. One of the things that I train on coach on here is to do our best to get the prospect to tell us a story. Like we're trained. This goes back to what you're saying earlier as part of the layers, like the company, the product, how to sell it. And then the third layer but as part of how we sell things. We're trained to tell stories, which is fine. Oh, I had a story with this guy. That's fine. That's all good. And it's important. I, I haven't heard people teach AEs to empower the prospect to tell them stories. Hmm. And that's what I started doing. I'm like, what happened? What happened when that, you know, when you missed that piece of information, what happened? And he told me a whole story for about, I don't know, three, four minutes that really upset him. Mm -hmm. He was oh, so pissed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then you yeah. were just right there, right? With those emotions, those angry ones about missing those deals. Those are, mm, it gets people fired up. 
<sighs> so yeah, it went on again, tangent free zone, I guess. No, but you just told uh, me a story, sir. <laughs> exactly. So I think when, you know, we you try to get a prospect to tell you a story, not even about them or, you know, what you mentioned earlier, teaching AEs to about the industry, the more you can talk about the industry, the more a prospect will be inclined to tell you a story about what's going on with them. And it's just, it makes a conversation more refreshing. And fun. Yeah. And creative. You like the what? one we're having right now. Oh my God. My goodness gracious. <laughs> we just, we probably just got lucky, Charles. <laughs> we're <laughs> born okay. this way. We were born this it. way. <laughs> I'll take um, it. There was no skill development whatsoever. It was just all completely natural. This is why I use the the little fairy on LinkedIn because I was so sick of, oh, well, you're a natural. I'm like, because I respond. I used to hear that one so often that I would just, I would be like, well, you want to know the secret? Like, come here, I'll tell you. Pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, friends. Charles was spot on at the at the beginning when he said, like, if you're waiting for your company or for your like whoever's doing your training or your manager to come in and put together this amazing training on like industry, you're gonna be waiting a long fucking time. So get your ass out there, start to dig into the industry trends, look at the court cases, set Google alerts. Um, ask these questions and think about the problem um, from lots of different perspectives. What happens when it's done right? What happens when it's done wrong? Where do people communicate about it? Like, how does this make, do people lose their jobs for this? You know, and so anyway, uh, yeah, take care, take care of yourself. And then once you figure it out, like turn around and help your peers, please, because this absolutely fundamentally alters the way that you engage with your prospects early on. Um, it's, it's way more fun and you would be shocked at how little chasing needs to happen um, after the fact, because it's not hard to differentiate in this context. And I will even say that um, deals that are not ready to address the business problem right now, Right. When I, I used to create like tickler files or when I would read something that reminded me of a conversation or a story that somebody else told me, I would then send that article right to that person and say, Hey, thought of you, right? Hope so. Hope everything's going well exactly. over there. Exactly. Right? Ping me when you're ready or something to that effect. And you'd be shocked how quickly they come back to you um, and how frequently they come back to you because these conversations are so fun and so powerful. And of course, um, look for the places that are aggregating and analyzing this information like CB insights that are able to um, derive or like almost hack the meaning that you can derive from these, these trigger events that are happening around you. Would you have anything to add to that, Charles? I love the thought of you mindset. The thought of you mindset is awesome. The thought of you, I saw this article. I thought of you because we spoke about X. Um, I, uh, we just came out this, with this report. I thought of you because of what you said. You this. Yeah. You shared this story. Eight, yeah. On page eight right yep. here. Yep. You might like, you might like it thought of you i'm not saying anything about me not nothing about the platform just like hey i thought of you because you mentioned this Remind was important to you guys check look, this out yes yes yeah, so people guys, love that they fucking love it and it doesn't have to come from your marketing department yeah it, it comes from, from uh, anywhere exactly they love that it can come from anywhere all right so in all seriousness friends i used to set up google alerts 
by business problem. And then when I would read something good, I would star it, right? And just write in my Chrome bookmarks, bar, like, oh, Charles, I'll show you the drop down. It's different things now here, Charles can attest. You'll have to speak um, and articulate what you see when you come in here because, can you say? Wow. Wait, hold on. I'm guys, I'm showing, I'm showing Charles on my bookmarks still to this day. Is there all your Google alert bookmarks? These are just, this is how I organize the, the content that I'm reading. Look here. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. But anyway, so when I was selling each one of these. Wow. Was a business problem. And so when I would read something good, I would save it. I go through a lot of content. I love this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's infinite. Um, That's really cool. Okay. And Charles, you just helped me. Well, when you confirmed my hypothesis, so that was fun, wonderful. But um, I'm sure you didn't need it to be confirmed. Well, but yeah, the thought of you is 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 just it it it. it I mean, the, these things that we're talking about make the job a lot more fun and a lot less stressful. It's stressful enough, you know. Most thing, you know, life is stressful. We have to do our best to to de-stress and 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 make it fun and. You know, the more fun I had selling, the better I did. If I wasn't having fun, I wasn't selling. That's it. It just was that simple. How do you have fun? You have fun being yourself, first of all. A lot of fun being yourself. Uh, you have fun when you come to work after uh, a nice workout or a nice walk. You have fun by making jokes on the phone. Um, and by not, you know, by not taking the, uh, the, the process too seriously by telling prospects, it's okay if we don't work together, just the more fun you have, the more you can be yourself and the more people will want to do business with you. That's it. Charles, did you have did my tagline? One of my taglines on LinkedIn is injecting more joy into the profession. So, and also happy selling. It's funny. So listeners, the, I, everything that Charles said, right. I second every damn word and I would add one thing that the only place to have fun or to find joy is in the present moment. It does not live looking back on those deals that you won last year. It does not live in the future of when I hit this quarter, when I close this deal, when I get married, when I buy a house, when I have a child, when, 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 when. The only place is right here in the present. And so thank you for investing this time with us, friends. Um, I appreciate it. Well, obviously I'm biased, right? I think it's a phenomenal investment of time because look at all these cool things that you can learn um, from these wonderful friends that I'm, I'm convincing and luring onto the show. All right, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're at the, so here's the two final things. The first one, uh, the second one's easy, right? It's like one piece of advice about uncomfortable conversations for, for our listeners. Again, mm -hmm. the experienced tech seller. But before that one, what is the hardest? Oh, oh, you know what? Before I ask, I just wanted to say one other beautiful thing that you said when you were talking about when you figured it out, right? At that second company was that you had mapped um, the story that you were about to hear to a business decision, mm -hmm. which I think is another big thing with, with selling information. Information is designed to support business decisions. You want to have a powerful question or a discovery conversation, ask about the business decisions you want, like who needs to make them? When do they need to make them? But why, when's the, when does it work well? When, where are the risk areas? And so, but again, just focusing on those business decisions and Charles nailed it with that statement. So I did want to, I didn't want to pull that one in. Okay. So Charles, the hardest, most uncomfortable conversation uh -huh. that you've ever had to have 
With who? Anything related to revenue. So for the prospect with prospect, somebody at my company, anything, it, it could be a boss. It could be a peer. It could be a hiring manager. It could be a spouse or child, right? When we don't allow mental health into the conversation. The oh yeah. Effects. I have a, well, first of all, I've had many uncom very uncomfortable conversations, many, because when I first started in sales, I couldn't sell anything for the life of me. <laughs> I, I am not a natural in Wait, any so way. Did you have pixie dust too? Or did you steal some of mine? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I, I was I was a thief. Good age or like or good old fashioned fucking work, yeah. right? Because this <laughs> requires work. Um, yeah, I really was really bad at my job, um, and I almost got fired uh, when I worked at Axial for the first six months. For some reason, I knew that I had it in me to do well. I don't know why. Um, I'll give you a very uncomfortable conversation. I've had many. One uncomfortable conversation that I had while I was working at Axial, while I couldn't sell, was I was speaking with the founder of a venture capital firm uh, of biotech VC. And I was asking him question after question after question. And then all of a sudden, after I asked him a question, the next question, he said, Charles, are you in sales? I said, yeah. He goes, that's really weird because you're not listening to a word I'm saying. And I was like, holy cow, like mm -hmm. what just happened? Wake up time. Was he, he right? Was right? He was right. Oh, yeah. yeah he was a hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. Of course, that made me go home and realize that I have to be myself and stop, care less about the questions that I'm asking and just care more about like just listening, which is sounds very, it's very basic, but it was very hard for me. I'm telling you, it was very, very hard for me. I had another uncomfortable uncomfortable conversation with a, uh, a private investor who invited me to his office. Very intimidating fellow. I'm actually still close with him now. Very intimidating fellow brought me into his office and he said, he's like six foot six, uh, walks in to the meeting room. He said, great, Charles, show me what you got. I was like, okay. I opened up my laptop, showed him a demo. It's the first time ever speaking with him. Mm. Um, and then after the conversation, about 10, 15 minutes, I was very intimidated by him. He, this was another moment, just like the VCs had a line that woke me up. Mm -hmm. He had a line that woke me up and he said, I was like, what do you think? And he said, Charles, to my face in person, you taught me nothing today. <laughs> I this said, is my you, favorite. This is with this guy in New York. This is why I loved selling in the Northeast. Like, oh I yeah, this is New York. With, this is I New York. I could not deal like going out there or like Midwest. You taught me nothing. So nice. yeah. like, oh no, I hate I'll, that. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. You taught me nothing today. And I said, <laughs> This is definitely New York. I said, You know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. I taught you nothing. Mm -hmm. Can I start again? Mm -hmm. He said, Yes. And then I said, I backed up and I said, Listen, then I did the, we find, right? We find that guys who are in your seat have trouble doing X, Y, Z. Is that something you guys ever think about? He's like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely we do. And we got into a real conversation. That part's not that so relevant. Those were very uncomfortable conversations that I had. And then of course, the third one, which was my company, my boss at the time was like, Charles, you haven't sold a thing. And uh, we had a very uncomfortable conversation about that. Uh, that's not unique to me. <laughs> That's very common in sales. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I turned it around once I, you know, a little bit about me. I sing professionally outside of work. I sing at weddings um, and stuff like that. 
And I would talk about that on the phone. So one thing that I came up with with prospects, I was speaking with like founders, private equity firms, and you know, people who were making a lot of money. And one thing I would always ask them on the phone is, you know, you know, out of curiosity, before we kick off the conversation, just to let you know about me, I actually sing at weddings. I sang one, uh, sang one at a wedding the other week. I sang at a wedding the other week, and I'm like, what, what do you, what passions do you have outside of work? Oh my god, like, like what guys like? Oh, I hunt, um, I golf, I. I'm a, uh, I have a, I'm a skydiver and it opened up the conversation where we talked about things that we were actually interested in that were real, that we carry to the next conversation, right? Hey, have you gone skydiving since the last time we spoke? You know, and then if I found in between conversations, if I found a cool skydiving location, I'd be like, Hey, looking forward to speaking next Wednesday, by the way, I don't know if you ever, you know, dove in this spot but I just read an article about it. Here you go. It was something that we always had to talk about in addition to everything else that we spoke about that was business related, but that's what helped turn things around for me. But those were the uncomfortable conversations. Wow. Those are so good. Um, I'm reminded about it. So yeah, I'm with you on the, like, be human, right? Ask about human things at, yeah. preferably at the end of the meeting, right? Because I use it to chat, small talk. It depends. Right? Yeah, it depends. Yeah, where. it depends. Um, but I remember seeing pictures that somebody's brother, so we were sitting in a Yankees game. It was a scat team of scat and arps and I was entertaining and somebody showed me pictures that their brother took, who was the managing attorney at Kazowitz Benson at the time. Um, <laughs> they were fucking incredible. They were beautiful. Anyway, I um, could not believe that he was such a gorgeous photographer and had not shown me these things. And so I was living with somebody, it was a friend of mine from college and he just did Tiger King. So we're like, this is where he's at now. But anyway, so I was like, well, like, and brought Mike up and helped him to understand how to save the photos and like how, and we, we set up this whole plan on how to market, whatever. Anyway, the firm Kazowitz before he moved on is now covered in his art. Like he's won all these awards. And so you can really create really deep relationships with people. Um, okay. So I want to bring it back to, so I second everything that you said, and it, it, it does carry over and, you know, buyers are the best. This is the best profession in the face of the earth when done properly. And so clearly Charles properly, right. is, has figured stuff out when done properly, um, <laughs> when, done properly. when, when taught, you know, I think most of us do that get there, do figure it out. And so hopefully we're, we're getting a little bit better at creating the systems around, you know, go to market teams to help get there. Like for example, sales enablement friends, anybody that's listening at Thomson Reuters, we had this quarterly industry deck that would come out and it was coveted. We could not wait to get our hands on it. The clients could not wait to get their hands on it. And we were then able to um, set these meetings around. Here's what happened over the past quarter, six months, or whatever that time frame with, and here's where where we're seeing the opportunities in the next quarter. And so these are also things that you can create to help deliver value both to your field and to your buyers and prospects and clients alike. Okay, final one, Charles, is the piece of advice. One piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. Um. I think I, I touched upon it in the beginning. Uh, advice about uncomfortable conversations with prospects. Anybody. Yeah. Any, well, it's anything okay, in a revenue context. Anything. Yeah. Uh, I touched upon it in the beginning of our chat. When you 
love what you're selling and you have, you're taking the onus off of you um, to get something done with the prospect. And knowing that it's okay if you don't work together, that type of mindset and mantra uh, <laughs> allows for, for an, an uncomfortable conversation is, is not really that uncomfortable. It's actually totally normal. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a quote, and I know we're short on time. So no, I no, no. You take as long as you want. I was solving for you. Oh, so you um, okay. So I'm pulling it up because I I sent it out to my my team, and you're worth the wait. While you're doing that, friends. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. At, Go ahead. No, no, no. It's fine. My favorite open-ended question to start meetings with was how's business? Um, nice, open, brings you, allows them to bring you wherever they want the conversation to go. And it also, right. you come off as someone that can have a conversation about business and not just about your product. And so um, when in doubt, when in doubt, when in a bot, like that one has business, that, that one, I made a lot of money off of, <laughs> off of that. <laughs> <laughs> off of that question. All right, Charles. I like that. So Adam Grant, who I follow on LinkedIn. Yes, he's, the, he's my favorite. Yeah, he's the man. He's the man. He wants to put a quote up there that I I have like hanging, right, on my wall here. Wait, spin your computer. Or do you have a laptop? Let me see. It. Uh, I do. Yeah, I'm going to share it with you right here. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking out for you, listeners. We're just confirming, even though I believe that our our man Charles is a man of integrity. Oh, I, I no, I, I don't. I, I'm not able to share my screen. You have to uh, allow me to share. Oh, my I do. Screen. You're right. You're right. That's me. Okay. Okay. You have to allow me to share my screen. All right. Okay. Right here. There it is. Read it for us, friend. Sorry. Deep conversations are full of pauses. They're not uncomfortable because we are too absorbed in thought to stress about filling the silence. I just love that quote. Deep conversations are full of pauses. They're not uncomfortable because we're too absorbed in thought to stress about filling the silence. A hundred percent. So when you're having an uncomfortable quote unquote conversation with a prospect and there's like an awkward tension on the phone, that's, that's, that's the man. That's where the magic happens. It's funny. You know, like the, when you listen to the Mark episode, that's how uh, the question at the end about what's the hardest one that you've ever had to, he's like, you can fill the silence, right? Like you can take care of that in the editing process. So I was like, Oh yes, I could, but I'm not going to, because we have to teach our, our people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he started laughing. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I love that quote. All right, Charles, how, how can people find you? And also, is there any, I don't want to say like, what do you need to promote? But if you are working on anything big that you want to toss out there, like, let's hear it. Um, yeah, sure. Everybody can find me on LinkedIn, of course. I post once a day, except for Fridays and Sundays usually. Uh, and of course, Saturdays. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, hit me up. AEs send me private messages all the time asking me for guidance. Actually, AEs obviously be hitting, hitting me up for one-on-one -on -one sessions to, just to talk everything discovery, which I've been doing. So you're welcome to do that. Uh, I work at CB Insights um, and 
You're welcome. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have. I'm nothing, nothing, nothing to promote right now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We, we don't even have any agendas. <laughs> Charles, this was a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Thank on you, board. Amy. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Did you have fun at least? I had a great time. Oh my gosh. That's I had a feeling I would. So thank you very much for having me. Why? Can I ask why? Uh, the energy, you know, very comfortable having a conversation and um, the no, the no, the no, the no rules. Um, just getting on the, uh, on the call without any preparation, right? That actually those normally uncomfortable things, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've become very comfortable with uncomfortability. So it allows me to have more fun. So uh, I had a feeling this would be great. So thank you. Amazing. And it was. So thank you very much. All right, listeners, you too. Thank you so much for investing some time with us today. Truth, love, and joy, friends, and happy selling. Goodbye, Charles. Bye. Man, that was heavy, but necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around. Virtues that we as humans can build a sturdy foundation on. I heard words like trust. I heard words like action. I heard words like consistency. And uh, I think this is important, but I, I also live in the real world, right? Where I trust that the action Amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is gonna be pissed. Karen! All right, friends. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah, call, absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Maybe we can boss you around for a couple hours? Yeah, please. By all means, call. If you like what you're hearing or are excited for this shit show and where it's going to go, definitely follow us on whatever podcast device is your preference, even though I, I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-Spotify, but you know, I guess I'll come to terms with that. If you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. Of course, there's always the public review of any kind, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in Legal. We are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, Please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff. Legal stuff. You know, it's pretty crazy. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. Yeah, like there, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there, but you know, it's, it's just, it's wrapped up in a story. Order the dog food, Amy. Order it. Chewy.com. Possible sponsor. Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come come sit up on my lap. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. 
Also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them, and I bought my dog food at Target this week because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. All right, friends. Thank you for listening to the conversation. For more ridiculousness, check out the extended cut of the outro. And that's a wrap. I can't. I can't. I can't. So this is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show because this is a pod about transparency and difficult conversations. And with everyone being so open and honest, um, I must be. So here goes. Um, as the outroer to the outroe, I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, I, I misled you intentionally. As your attorney, I must confess that I am not a fucking attorney. Um, I have not passed the bar exam in the state in which I live. I uh, have never represented anyone well in anything, let alone in a court of law. Um, but again, these are difficult conversations that we're, Amy's having with, with her guests, and, and I lied. And I should tell you that. I should be open and honest because... You know, we have been. So we can all be better. We can all do better together. And now I'm just rambling at this point. It's just, who cares? It's an outro, right? Like, this is just going to fade into blackness like the Mars rover. Maybe a little bit less sad. That was fucking sad. Oh, let's not be that sad. Come on, guys. We can do better.